again, welcome to Alger Assembly of God. Welcome back to Infinitely More. We are uh, doing this study, part of the sermon series from our Assemblies of God, partnering with some other churches who are doing this very study throughout the United States. Thankful for our Assemblies of God leadership in providing something like this as a guideline. Hey, let's look at from Easter to Pentecost, what are some things that we can focus on? What are some scriptures? What are some of the miracles of God that we can focus on as we prepare our our hearts for Pentecost as we prepare our hearts for what God is about to do. So infinitely more is the title. Today the title is Ready for a Miracle. If that describes you and you've come to Alger Assembly of God today, you're watching Alger Assembly of God today, and you are ready for a miracle, you are ready for God to do something in your heart, in your life, in your physical body, in your finances, in your relationships, and in whatever case might be, if that is you, would you say amen? amen? All right, we've got some people ready for a miracle because we know that God can do it. Right? God is the one able to do it. And so the theme verse that we've been looking at throughout this study is found in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. We'll take a look at it again. It says, All glory to God who is able through his mighty power. He's able through his mighty power at work within us. We, we talked about a little bit about that the very first week, but it's His power at work within us. God's able to do some things in us and through us, He says, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. To ask, to think, to imagine, we've got some pretty big wishes, some pretty big lists, and God is able to do even more abundantly than we can ask or think. And through, throughout this process, we've been looking at some of the things that Jesus has done, the, the calling of the disciples and, and looking at some of the teachings and some of the healings and some of the miracles. And what we've seen and what you continue to see, if you look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus does miracles. Aren't you thankful for that? But as we look through, we see that Jesus does miracles. He restores sight to the blind. That's a miracle. Hearing to the deaf, speech to the mute. He heals the sick. He cleanses lepers. He removes diseases and disabilities. He calms the storm. He casts out demons. He even raises the dead. Those are miracles that Jesus is able to do. Everything is possible with God. And so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, they give great records and accounts of some mighty miracles. Now, one of the most familiar one is the feeding of the 5,000. That's how it's referred to as. Other than the resurrection of Jesus, this is the only miracle found in all four Gospels. Now, we're going to be looking at John chapter 6, the, uh, the recording of John and his account. So if you want to turn with me there, John chapter 6, turn to John chapter 6, but get ready for a miracle. So the feeding of the 5,000, one of these powerful and mighty miracles that Jesus has done. We take a look at John chapter 6, beginning in verse 4. It says, sometime after this. Now, how many of you, when you jump into a story and you're not quite sure what's happened before, uh, you start flipping back maybe uh, to see exactly what took place? So we'll just clue you in a little bit about chapter 5. It finished, Jesus was being challenged by a lot of Jewish leaders, and they were challenging him about his authority, 
how he was supposedly breaking the Sabbath by healing a man at the pool of Bethesda. Because remember, the, the law of the Sabbath is to keep the Sabbath, keep it holy, so do no work on the Sabbath. Jesus had the audacity to heal somebody on the Sabbath. Can you imagine someone who was sick or lame and they were healed by Jesus and religious leaders got mad saying, uh-uh-uh, you just did some work. Get that man sick again. Um, they might not have said that. But, but they were mad at Jesus for breaking the Sabbath, and, and Jesus was, was interacting with them about uh, this healing. They were also then questioning his claims. He was calling God his father. And they said, well, well no one can call God his father unless uh, you're his son. He's like, well, I am. So there was this discussion, a lot of things with some of the religious leaders. So chapter 5 was all about that. You can catch up on that. But sometime after this, sometime after these discussions and interactions, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Remember, this is not a one-time thing. This is not Jesus healing one person one time. Jesus healed many sick people many times. So they had seen the signs he had performed. Verse 3, then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. So these first few verses of chapter 6, kind of laying the foundation, we'll get into the miracle here in just a little bit, but we're going to see the power of Jesus. We're going to see the authority of Jesus. We're going to see the heart of Jesus for you and the heart of Jesus for me. He desires that we would experience infinitely more. So first of all, when it comes to miracles and being ready for a miracle, I want you to know this. Jesus already knows your need. Isn't that some good news? Jesus knows what it is that you need, the, the miracle that's needed, the situation that is in your life. Continue here, John chapter 6, verse 5. Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, and he said to Philip, where should we buy bread for these people to eat? So they're on the mountainside with the disciples, and they see flocks of people, just, uh, just massive amounts of people that are heading to where they are, and Jesus sees the need. Lots of people, hungry people, no food. So he speaks and says, where are we going to get bread for these people? And in verse 7, Philip answered, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Let's just stop there. How many of you would say that's a pretty big need? If you've got a lot of hungry people and no resources to feed them, that'd be a pretty big need. You know, it's, if you're out with a number of people and, like, oh, boy, we need, to, we need to stop by McDonald's. we got to grab something to eat. And you've got a vehicle full of people and, like, two bucks. Okay, everybody gets, like, two fries. I mean, this is that raised to the thousandth level, right? We've got thousands of people coming. And Philip says, listen, it's going to take more than half a year wages. How many of you would not think twice about dropping half a year's wages so everybody gets a bite or two 
you're probably not jumping at that opportunity. But that's what Philip is saying. This need is so great. We've got so many people. Even if we used half of what I make in a year, I don't know that they're going to get more than a bite. There's just so many people. This need is so great. Now, what's interesting, this is the second time in our text here, John uses the word great to describe the crowd. Remember verse 2, a great crowd of people followed him. And now in verse 5, Jesus saw a great crowd. This is mighty. This is massive. This is a large number of people. Drop down for just a moment. Verse 10 specifies 5,000 men. So, they were counted, they were mentioned, but we know that women were there. We know that children were there. So we refer to this as the, the feeding of the 5,000. It's probably a whole lot more than that. If you've got 5,000 men, you've got a whole bunch of women, you've got a whole bunch of kids, it could be 10, 12, 15,000. So that's, that's roughly probably a, a professional basketball arena uh, where the Cavaliers play or maybe where Ohio State uh, plays basketball. Th those are probably 10 to 15,000, 18,000 arenas. So imagine an arena full of fans, and you've got nothing to feed them. Jesus sees the need. It's a massive group. Now, is Jesus, is, is he... You know, just going crazy as he's sweating bullets saying, I have no idea what we're going to do about this. Now he's calm. He's cool. He's collected. He sees. He understands the need. In fact, he's actually prepared for them. Where did Jesus lead he and his disciples to go? We read it earlier. He led them to a mountainside. Great place to fit a whole bunch of people who are following after you. So he travels to the mountainside, plenty of space for everybody to kind of spread out, gather, and sit down. His disciples, no doubt, are intimidated. If you're one of his disciples and Jesus turns to you and says, what do we do about feeding them? You'd probably answer like Philip. <laughs> um, boy, I, I don't think I uh, brought my wallet with me, Jesus. <laughs> wink, wink. What do you got? Jesus is fully aware of the need in front of him. It's not taking him by surprise that massive crowds of people have followed. It's not taking him by surprise that they're hungry. It's not taking him by surprise that there's no McDonald's around. Jesus is aware of the need. I want you to be encouraged by that because maybe you've come into Alger Assembly of God today. Maybe you've turned on this video or watched or listened to this today. And you understand you've got some mighty big needs in your life. You're facing situations that seem way too big for you to follow, way too big for you to handle. For some, maybe it's a financial need. I don't know how I'm going to face this need or pay for this bill or take care of this month of expenses. For some, maybe it's relational with a family member, with a friend, with a co-worker. And you say, I just don't know how this situation is going to be mended. It seems far too gone. Maybe it's physical issues. You're dealing with some physical things in your own body. You're in a family member, and you don't know what to do. I want to encourage you today that Jesus sees, Jesus already knows the need that you're facing. Sometimes we forget the fact that Jesus is with us. 
We forget the fact. Here's the disciples with Jesus, the one who's healed, the one who's provided, the one who's done some incredible things, and now they're, they're sweating. They're saying, I don't know how we're going to take care of meeting this need. This need is so great. We can get overwhelmed at the size of the problem we face, and we forget that Jesus is with us. Why? We're focusing on the size of the problem. Now, the problems that we face, very honestly, they are many times massive, right? You ever faced a big problem? You, you get news from a doctor that you don't want to get, and, and there's no way, seemingly, that there's a solution to that issue. Or you hear some words from a family member or friend, and it, and it seems like this relationship is splitting apart. Or, or you take a look at some bills, you take a look at your bank account and say, how are these going to make sense? Certainly, we see the size of the problem. We can get overwhelmed. But don't forget about the fact that Jesus is with you. Satan desires that you would focus on the problem rather than on the Savior. He wants you to be intimidated. He wants you to be discouraged. He wants you and I to take our eyes off of Jesus. I want to encourage you with this. No matter what maybe you have walked into, what you've brought with you today to this service, what you've brought with you today as you watch or listen to this, nothing has taken Jesus by surprise. You might have been caught by surprise. True? You, you go to a doctor visit and you anticipate him or her saying one thing and they give you a total set of different news and you are discouraged at that fact. Nothing's taken him by surprise. You show up and, and finances have changed. Relationships have changed. Physical bodies have changed. The work situation has changed. And we are taken by surprise, but nothing has taken him by surprise. He knows your need. He knows what you're facing. He knows what is in my future, my day, today and tomorrow. He knows what, what that battle is about. He knows those needs. Physical, financial, relational, spiritual needs that you and I are facing. He knows every single one of them, and he's not intimidated by it. You and I, we can get intimidated, we can get discouraged because our, this need is so big. I mean, look at these financial needs. I can't imagine it. Jesus knows about it. Look at these relational issues. I don't know how to, to work over this, uh, get through this this hump or, or get through this challenge, Jesus knows about that. You know, that family member, that child, that grandchild, the decisions that they're making that don't honor you, God, Jesus knows about it. He's not intimidated about it. He sees the need. But not only does Jesus see the need and know the need, secondly, I've got great news for you in that Jesus already has the answer. He's got the answer. Verse 6, after Jesus talked about this, it says he asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Wow, there was a massive need. Thousands of people, no food. But Jesus already knew what he was going to do. Jesus already had the answer. The disciples, they're probably scrambling. Hey, you got any money? No. Do you got any money? No. Is there a McDonald's around? No. Is there, is there a supermarket? Is there pizza places? You know, can we call DoorDash? 
the disciples didn't know where to turn, but Jesus already had the answer. The disciples, once again, they're focusing on the wrong thing. They're focusing on the size of the crowd, which is massive, thousands of people, but they're forgetting about the one standing right next to them, which is Jesus. Sometimes you and I can do the very same thing. We face a need, we face a difficulty in our life, and we focus on the need and forget about the one who can meet that need, who already has the answer. So let me ask you, what are you focusing on, and maybe who or what are you forgetting? Maybe the disciples, maybe they're trying to scrape together everything that they've got while Jesus already has everything they need. Well, verse 8 The story continues. It says, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. The disciples say, hey, maybe here's something. And then they hear it and they're thinking, boy, there's not much here. But verse 9 says, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? I mean, that's even less than what Philip said, right? If we used half of a year's wages, I don't think everybody would be able to have a bite or two. But what do we have? Oh, we got a, we got a happy meal. That's what we got a happy meal. Five barley loaves and two small fish. How far will they go among so many? I mean, that's barely enough probably for the boy. That's barely enough for a handful of people, but... Jesus already had the answer. Verse 10, Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. Jesus already had the answer. The disciples, they're looking everywhere. I can't meet the need. You can't meet the need. As they're going disciple by disciple, Jesus saw the need. Jesus knew it. Jesus had the answer. He's able to step into the life of your situation, step into what you and I face, and meet that need. He is able to do a miracle. Let me say that again. Jesus is able to do a miracle. He knows what you're facing. He's able to have the answer. Imagine he took a boy's lunch, a a little sack of, I like thinking of it as the Happy Meal, but whatever you might term it as, he took something so small, and he was able to feed thousands upon thousands of people. And it's not just, I mean, the miracle, certainly a miracle would be if everybody had a bite. I mean, you know, if you've asked to share food, sometimes uh, you've got little kids or little grandkids, you're like, hey, can I have a taste? Can I have a bite? Uh, at some point in time, you know, like they tear off like this little crumb that you need a microscope to look at, right? I mean, you bought it for them. You bought this dessert. You bought this cookie. You bought this massive thing of fries, and they tear off a little tiny little piece. Here, Dad. Here, Mom. We're not talking about getting this tiny little morsel to barely see or taste. It says that they all ate as much as they wanted. Jesus was desiring that they would have infinitely more. Now, let's continue. Verse 12, it says, when they all had enough to eat, 
he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. Now, this miracle just keeps getting better and better and better. I mean, it would have been a miracle if everybody had a tiny morsel. Would you agree? To take one tiny meal and thousands upon thousands of people, even if they were to get, you know, one little fry of this happy meal, that would be a miracle. No. Not only did they have a little bit, they had as much as they wanted. Not only did they have as much fish as they wanted, they had as much bread as they wanted. But Jesus isn't done. He's got infinitely more. Verse 13, it says, They gather them, they gather the leftovers, and fill 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Now, I know for, for many of us, as, as we're going along, sometimes common core math is a challenge. And we're, we're looking at math saying, I'm not sure, how does this math make sense? Maybe you've struggled with that. Well, if you're looking at math here in the book of John, five loaves and two fishes divided you know, by thousands of thousands of people should not equal 12 large baskets of leftovers. I mean, mathematically, that does not seem possible, but we're looking at Jesus who desires infinitely more for you and me. Not only is he able to meet the need, he was able to bless and have 12 basketfuls left over. Listen, Jesus knows the need. Jesus has the answer. In fact, his answer many times is more than enough. I'm thankful as we've, we've come through this COVID season and we've shared the good news about the year 2020. It's a year you and I will remember for years, right? 2020, everything that happened. I mean, in the, in the month of March, as we headed into the month of March, our church, uh, we were just, just barely in the black. We were, you know, about $250 to the positive for the year 2020. And COVID hits. And I don't know about you, but how many of you, you probably had some, boy, I wonder what this is going to look like. What's it going to look like for me? What's it going to look like for our family? Maybe you thought, what's it going to look like for our church? And certainly as pastor and as board, we began talking and praying and putting some things into place, trying to cut down on some expenses because we weren't sure of the income. And yet, as we have shared God's faithfulness to you throughout that entire year, we gave you the detailed look at our annual business meeting. Yes, we were able to cut back on our expenses, but in the midst of that, you as God's people, our income actually increased a little bit in 2020. And we ended substantially in the positive to end a very challenging year of 2020 as God took care and met the need. Now, I'd venture to say you could probably look back at your own life in your own situation, maybe last year in 2020 or even a little further back, and you look at a situation where your finances or your, your health or a relationship where it seemed like nothing could be done and Jesus stepped in, knew the need, and took care of it because Jesus had the answer. Be encouraged. As you take a look back in your life, maybe it's been a, a year or two or maybe it's been a, a, a handful of years maybe a decade or two, and you see the faithfulness of God in your life. Yes, you and I have some incredible needs, but Jesus is the one with the answer. 
Not only does Jesus see and know the need, not only does Jesus have the answer, but thirdly, I want you to see that Jesus uses those who are ready. It's interesting. Here's a little boy. It's who knows about that little boy? He maybe his mommy was preparing him, or maybe his mom was there with him, but he was ready with this meal, offering it. The, the disciples, at least, though they didn't know what to do, they were ready to bring him to Jesus. But who would have thought such a small little meal would have made such an incredible amount of results? Can you imagine that little boy's face? How, how awesome would it have been to see this little boy give his meal? Maybe he was a little hesitant. You know, he kind of gave it, and then he kind of thought back about it. And, and then he watched as Jesus prayed and began blessing and breaking and, and giving to the disciples, and the disciples were giving to others. And, and pretty soon, can you just imagine the, the awe that would just go upon this crowd? Thousands of people. As they see Jesus praying. You got any food? No, I don't have any food. Huh, let, me, let me get out my binoculars here. I see a little boy. I see a happy meal. He's giving it to Jesus. Okay, he's giving it to Jesus. Um, where's, where's the delivery truck? Oh, that's it. He's getting ready to pray. He's getting ready to pass it out. Can you imagine just that, that holy hush that erupts into incredible excitement as this begins multiplying? Jesus did the work. But he was able to use those who were ready. The boy was ready to serve. The, the disciples, though they didn't know what to do, Jesus used them to be a part of this miracle. When we give what we have to Jesus, he's able to take that and to use that. We give ourselves and say, Jesus, use me for your honor and your glory. He is able to do mighty things in you and through you. The hope of the world isn't us. The hope of the world is Jesus in and through us. He's the one able to do that miracle. Now, God's desiring to use you. Jesus knew what he was going to do. He was going to use this little boy's lunch. He was going to use the disciples to give it. Jesus is the one doing the miracle with what's been given. What are you and I willing to do and to give to him? God, have all of me. Use me however you would choose. In my school, in my family, in my community, in my job. God, I surrender. I give myself to you. I'm ready to be used. Jesus uses those who are ready. I want to challenge you. Offer time and talent and treasure. Offer what God has given to you to say, God, would you use me to make a difference in somebody else's life? to share the good news of hope, to share how you've changed and touched my life. We can meet the needs of those in our church, meet the needs of those in our area or community, around the world, meet the needs of those in your places of business, school and family. You see, what Jesus seeks to do is completely opposite to what our world's standpoint is, right? The standpoint of the world is closed-fisted. I want to hold on to everything. It's, it's mine. This is kind of ingrained in us somewhat naturally, even as a little child, right? If you give a little child a little toy and then try to take it away, that doesn't go so well for you. Because even from a little age, the little child holds on. Sometimes it's hard to give up that toy. 
And when we, come, when we become adults, sometimes we keep that same thought or that, that mentality where we say, oh, what I have is mine and, and who I am and, and my giftings and my talents, I'm just going to use them for me. Uh, the world says, look out for number one, right? Look out for yourself. Do what it takes to get you ahead. Hold on. Whatever you've got, hold on to it. Definitely don't give it to others. And Jesus is saying, make it available. Allow me to use you to be a blessing to other people. Your giftings, your talents, your abilities, your availability, God wants to use that to meet needs of those people around you. When we give our all to God, we walk away with infinitely more. Matthew 19, 26 was a... a, Famous quote of Jesus, Jesus looked and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. I don't know what it is that you might be facing today. I'm not sure of all the specifics of the miracles that maybe you might need. I know that there are physical needs in our body and in our church family and physical needs in those who are watching, no doubt, and listening. You're needing a touch of God's healing hand. I want to encourage you that God can do that work of healing. There's some of you, maybe it's about a financial need and you're needing a financial miracle, not sure what's going to happen. God is able to help in the cutting of expenses. God's also able to help in the raising of the income or the blessing to take care of needs. For some, maybe it's relational needs or spiritual needs. Whatever the case might be, he is able to do the miracle. Jesus knows your need. Jesus already has the answer. And he uses you and I if we are ready.